This evening, in our series on the Holy Spirit, we come to regeneration. And I'll explain some of you, maybe you've never heard that term. Uh, many of you know the Afrikaans term, most of you, weergeboorte. So in English, regeneration, I'll explain that soon. <clears throat> and then God willing, next week, I'll preach on adoption. How the Holy Spirit, we receive the spirit of adoption placed into the family of God. What a great privilege. John chapter 3, verse 1 to 8. Let's go to our God in prayer. Holy Lord and God, Holy Father, Lord Jesus Christ, the Holy One of God, and Holy Spirit, we come to you in prayer this evening, bowing before you, extolling, worshipping, magnifying, the name of our God and King forever. Speak with us this evening. And please let your spirit come and work upon our human souls. In Jesus' name, Amen. <clears throat> so that word regeneration... It's like we have a generator when there's load shedding. So the generator, it generates power. And so when we say the Holy Spirit regenerates, it means He generates life in the sinner's heart. The sinner's dead in sin and the Spirit brings life. Sinclair Ferguson, a Scottish preacher and theologian, Sinclair Ferguson says the word regeneration means another genesis. So in the book of Genesis, where God creates the world, in Genesis 1, Genesis 1 verse 2, you have the Spirit of God moving over the waters, hovering over the waters. And so from the water, the Spirit of God brings life. And we know that from 2 Peter chapter 3 verse 5. God made the, the, the world, He created it by water and through water. And now when we speak of the Holy Spirit, regenerating another Genesis, then you've got the same picture. So remember the Hebrew word for spirit, ruach, is the very same word that can be translated wind. So here's the wind of God blowing in Genesis 1 verse 2. But really it's not just a wind of God. That means it's a person. It's God himself. It's the Holy Spirit. But then in in John chapter 3 that we're going to look at tonight, you also have the wind of God. In verse 8, for instance, it says, The wind blows where it wants. You hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from and where it's going. And so it is with everyone born of the Spirit. And again in Greek, the word pneuma, like we have the word pneumonia. The word pneuma means spirit. But it's also translated, the same Greek word, wind. And so now you have the Spirit, the wind of God, blowing upon the human heart, upon the human soul. And then also again the picture of wind and water, like in Genesis 1, the Spirit hovering over the water. Because in Genesis, in John 3 verse 5, it says we must be born of water and the Spirit. So here you have the wind of God, the heavenly wind blowing upon the water. You've got that same picture to bring another Genesis, a new creation. 
And isn't that what Paul says in 2 Corinthians 5, verse 17? If anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. Old things have passed, all things have become new. So, John chapter 3, let us read verse 1. Now there was a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. This man came to Jesus by night and said to him, Rabbi, we know that you are a teacher come from God. For no one can do these signs that you do unless God is with him. Jesus answered him, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless a man is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. Nicodemus said to him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter a second time into his mother's womb and be born? Jesus answered, Truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. That which is born of the flesh is flesh, and that which is born of the Spirit is Spirit. Do not marvel that I said to you, you must be born again. The wind blows where it wishes. You hear its sound. You do not know where it comes from or where it goes. So it is with, with everyone who is born of the Spirit. So we're going to answer three questions tonight. First, questions, uh, first question, who must be born again? Well, the answer is in verse 1 and 2 and in verse 7. Nicodemus is not automatically saved because he's part of God's chosen people, Israel. He's not automatically saved because he's a Jew. He's not automatically saved because he's circumcised, which was the sign that you are part of God's covenant people, his special people, his chosen people. He's not automatically saved because he's a learned man and he's a Pharisee. And not only a Pharisee, he's a leader among the Pharisees, verse 1 and 2. And not only that, he is the teacher in Israel, verse 10. Jesus says, you're not automatically saved, Nicodemus. Verse 7, you must be born again. And that goes for all of us. You are not automatically a child of God because you were born in a Christian home. You're not automatically a child of God even because you're a pastor's child. I remember my friend going for coffee with two other pastors. And as they were talking, these two of the pastors, they said, well, what are we going to do with these kids? It's, they're 17 years old now. They have to be confirmed and received into membership of the church. You know, and that's how it works in some churches. And so what are we going to share at the camp? What will, what will, what will be the theme of the camp? And my friend said, why do you, why do you talk, to you about, talk to these youngsters about repentance and salvation and being born again? And the two pastors looked at my friend like he's from another planet. What are you talking about? These kids are the covenant children. They're God's chosen people. You're not automatically a child of God because you're an elder in the church or because you're a pastor. I remember visiting people. The people started attending our church. This is in 
about 2006 and seven. So I visited their home. They wanted to become members and I saw on their membership forms where it says, give your testimony of salvation. It was blank. So I went to talk to them and I said, I see this is blank. You didn't fill this in. And the lady said, I knew you were coming to talk to us about this. And so I started asking them questions to see, do they understand the gospel? And, and very self-righteous. And I was an elder in the church, my previous church, for many years. You're not saved because you're an elder. It doesn't mean you're born again. You're not necessarily a child of God because you studied at a Bible college and you've got a certificate or you've got a diploma or you've got a degree. Jesus said in John 1 verse 13, he speaks of those who are children of God. And then in verse 13, they were born not of blood. Not because your parents are Christians or you come from a right family or I come from a family of pastors. My dad was a pastor, my grandfather, my great-grandfather. This is five generations of you not born of blood, Jesus said. That's why you're a child of God. Or at least John is writing this, not Jesus talking there. Born not of blood, not of the will of the flesh. It's not merely a decision you took to say, I decide I will now make myself a new creature. I will regenerate myself. I will raise myself from the dead spiritually. And not of the will of man. It's not your parents who decided, let's make him or her a Christian. It's not your pastor who decided, or your spiritual leaders, your elders. It's not anyone else, your Sunday school teacher, that says they were born of God. You must be born again. Verse 7 again. You're not a believer because you acknowledge Jesus as a miracle working prophet. The miracle maker. That's what Nicodemus believed. That's what many of the Pharisees believed. Because in verse 2 it says, Nicodemus, this ruler of the, ruler of the Jews, he comes to Jesus by night. And then he says to Jesus, we know you're a teacher sent from God. No one can do these signs. You, No one can do these miracles unless he is sent from God. We acknowledge you're a prophet. In chapter 12, you get the same thing. <clears throat> it says in verse 42 and 43 that many of the rulers believed in him. Many of these spiritual leaders believed in him, but they were afraid of the Pharisees. The Pharisees said, if anyone acknowledges Jesus to be the Messiah, the Christ, they will be put out of the synagogue. So they were afraid and they didn't openly confess Jesus. You're not saved because you confess Jesus to be a prophet or one who does miracles. Verse 7, Nicodemus, you must be born again. Now verse 7 is not a command of something you must do. When Jesus says you must be born again, it's not as if Nicodemus can now make himself born again, regenerate himself. What Jesus means there is, actually the Greek word actually says it that way. <clears throat> I checked this, it means it is necessary for you to be born again. It is a must, Nicodemus. Verse 5, you cannot enter the kingdom if you are not born again. This must happen to you. That is what Jesus is saying. This is not a command like pick up your socks and make up your bed and tidy your room. Now I have to do that. No, this is a command like let there be light. And it happens. This is a command like, Lazarus, come forth. And it happens. This is a command like Ephesians 2 verse 5. God raised you from the dead. 
He spoke. When you were dead in your trespasses, God made you alive. This is a command like 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 6. God who speaks into darkness, let there be light, spoke into our hearts. He brought the light. This is a command like Jesus gave in, in the Gospels, where Jesus says to a blind man, receive your sight. To a deaf man, ears be opened. To a dead man, rise. To a paralyzed man, take up your bed and walk. So it's something the person is going to do, but it's not something the person has the power to do in and of himself. The power is given to him by God. And it's the same with this command. You must be born again. It's something God works in you, the new birth. Now, some people will foolishly say, well, if I don't have the power to regenerate myself, then if I'm not saved, it's God's fault. Because only God can regenerate. I am not responsible. Can you not ask God for a new heart? Can you not say, I cannot regenerate myself. I cannot give myself the new birth. Oh God, would you do this in me? That's Ezekiel. That's Ezekiel. We know Yosha preached for us from Ezekiel 36 a while back. God will remove the heart of stone and give you a heart of flesh. Ezekiel 36, 26. Ezekiel 11, verse 19. God will remove the heart of flesh, a uh, heart of stone and give a heart of flesh. Same, same thing. But then Ezekiel 18, 31. Get yourself a new heart and a new spirit. That means go to God who can do this. God alone can do this. And you say, oh God, will you remove this heart? This hardened heart. I can do nothing to change myself. I need a savior. I need the work of your spirit. Come and change me. Like in the 1840s in Savannah, Georgia, in the United States, the, there was a young man who came to a preacher. The preacher uh, is called B.M. Palmer. And as Palmer was preaching, this young man got irritated and he came to the preacher after the service. He says, you know, you Christians are the strangest kinds of creatures. One moment you pastors, you tell us, you must be born again. And the next moment you tell us, only God can do this. As if I do not have the power to do this. And the preacher didn't even look up. He was busy writing something. And he just said, well... Then if you can do it, then go and do it. You can do it in and of yourself. And the young man started getting all anxious and I think a bit teary. And he said, I've been trying for weeks. I've been trying for weeks to change my own heart. I cannot do it. And the preacher said, let me pray with you. And they prayed. Then after praying, he let the young man go without giving him any word of comfort. And the young man came back later. I think a few days later, ecstatic with joy, God had saved him. God had given him a new heart, opened his heart, opened his eyes to believe the gospel. Second question, what is regeneration? That's in verse 3 to 5. Now Jesus here speaks with the authority of the Son of God. He is the Son of God. He speaks with that authority. 
How do I know that? Did you see that in verse 3? How does Jesus start? Jesus said to him, and then, Truly, truly, who of you have got a 2020 translation of Afrikaans? What does it say in the 2020? Jesus, Jesus het vir hom gesê, en dan? Niemand 2020 vertaling nie? Amen, amen. That's what the Greek says. That's a Hebrew word taken into the Greek text. That's interesting. When do you say amen? Usually at the end of a prayer. Or someone says something and then you say amen. I agree. Let it be so. Jesus said that. He says amen before he speaks. To say, I am the son of God. I speak with that authority. My teaching is true. You must believe it, Nicodemus. And then something else that's interesting. How do the prophets speak? Before a prophet says something, what does he say? Thus says the Lord. What does Jesus say in verse 3? I say to you, I am the God of the prophets. I speak by my own authority. Listen, Nicodemus. Listen. Now, what does he say? Well, in verse 3, he says, unless one is born again. Now, that word born again, who has a translation that says born from above? Yes, Lozelle. Now, what does the Greek say? Does it say born again or does it say born from above? You know what the answer is? Yes. Okay. So the answer is yes, both. The Greek can mean both and Jesus means both when he speaks here. It's like he's saying, to be born naturally, natural birth, physical birth, it's not enough. You must be born spiritually. You must have a second birth. Born again. Verse 4, that's what Nicodemus says. How can I be born a second time? And then in verse 6, Jesus says, what's born of the flesh is flesh. Flesh is just human. You need a spiritual birth. Born again. Where does that birth come from? From above. So you must be born again, and that birth comes from above. 1 John 3 verse 9, those who are born of God. So it's a birth that God gives you. Verse 8 also, verse 5 actually, born of water and the Spirit. And then verse 8, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit. So the Spirit does that in you. It's not something you do. Repenting and believing is something you do. But being born again is not something you do. It's something God does. In you. I remember someone writing me an email in response to a sermon I preached. And this is not someone from, from Kempton Park. I think the person was from Port Elizabeth. Sent me an email and many comments on a sermon I preached on the new birth, being born again. And the person said, nowhere does the Bible say that <clears throat> the new birth is something that God does in you. What about 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 3 that was in that sermon I preached? Didn't you read that verse? Didn't you listen or didn't you read the whole sermon? Because 1 Peter 1 verse 3 says, God causes us to be born again. It's God who does it. And that's the difference, by the way, between biblical Christianity and nominal Christianity. Nominal Christianity is people who just say they're Christians. They just got on their Facebook status, religion, Christian. And they're not necessarily born again. They're church people, but they're not born again people. 
Their lives haven't changed. They just adhere to Christianity externally. But their lives haven't changed one bit. Like me when I was nine years old. When I professed Jesus Christ, but I wasn't saved. My life didn't change one bit. I was only saved when I was 13. That's the difference between biblical Christianity and between every other religion in the world. You see, it's very easy to just be a Christian externally, to be a church person, to be a nominal Christian. It's very easy to follow any religion. You just follow, start following their teachings. How do you become a Christian? A real Christian. What's biblical Christianity? That is a miracle from God. That is something supernatural that only God can do, that the Holy Spirit does. Yersha, I think, think it was Yersha or someone in the prayer meeting prayed this, that the very same power needed to raise Jesus Christ from the dead, that is the same power God works in us. Ephesians 1 verse 19 and 20. You are spiritually dead. God needs to work a miracle to raise you from the dead and give you the new birth, give you new life. What part, JC, did you have in your natural birth? What part did you play in conception? Zero. That's why the Bible calls it the new birth. Vier geboorte. It's a picture to show you have zero part in this. This is all of God. It's the Spirit who raises the dead and brings them to life. It's the Spirit that creates the new birth in you. Now, Charles Finney believed differently. Charles Finney said that the Holy Spirit only works reactively. So it's the sinner who decides to be born again, and then the Holy Spirit responds and indeed gives him the new birth. And that is not biblical. The Bible says God gives you spiritual sight, and your faith is then the response. He opens the blind eyes, and you see Christ as the Savior of the world, and then you believe. Your faith is the response to His work. Not his work, the response to you, first and foremost. So you see that in verse 3. Unless one is born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. You cannot have spiritual sight to see spiritual things like God's kingdom unless you are born again. That must happen first. Where's the new birth? Verse 3. Where do you find faith in John chapter 3? Only in verse 15. Whoever believes in Him may have eternal life. John 3 verse 16. God so loved the world and so on. That whoever believes in Him. Faith comes after. Verse 15 and 16. Only then. In John chapter 1 you've got verses switched. But the order is the same. Because He says... To all who have received him, to those who have believed in his name, he has given the right to become children of God. This they are, not of themselves. Born, not of blood, not of the will of the flesh, not of the will of man, but born of God. How did this faith come about? You were born of God. And therefore, you respond by faith. God has given life in the soul and you understand the gospel, you see the beauty and glory of Christ and your own sinfulness, and you call out for mercy and you trust in the Savior. Ephesians 2, you've got the same order. Verse 1, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 5, God makes you alive. And only then, verse 8 and 9, you believe. For by grace we have been saved through faith. This not of ourselves, not, uh, uh, so that no one would... No, this not of ourselves, and then not as a result of works, so that no one will boast. 
will brag. So you're not born because you saw the truth. You saw the truth, you saw the light because you were born. And that you see in verse 3. Unless you are born again, you cannot see. Now the Holy Spirit creates life. The Holy Spirit gives you the ability to repent and believe. 2 Timothy 2 verse 25. God may perhaps grant them repentance, leading to a knowledge of the truth, after they've been captured by the devil in his snare to perform his will or to do his will. Acts chapter 5 verse 31, God gave repentance to Israel. Acts 11 verse 18, God gave repentance to the Gentiles. And then later on you find in Acts, <clears throat> in Acts chapter 18 verse 27, Apollos is preaching and it says, those through who, uh, who through grace had believed. It is God's grace that they believed. Philippians 1 verse 29. It has been given to you not only to believe in his name, but also to suffer for his sake. It's given to you to believe. And then Ephesians 2 that I quoted, For by grace you have been saved through faith. This is not of yourselves. It is a gift of God. So all of this comes from the Lord. And usually all those things, regeneration or the new birth, Faith and repentance happens in an instant. In one instant, it's like all of those things happen at once. So you've got Lydia, for instance, in Acts chapter 16, sitting at the river. And Paul is busy preaching. And it says in verse 14, And the Lord opened Lydia's heart to understand what was being said by Paul. Suddenly she understands. And she believes. She turns from herself and from her sins and trusts in the Savior. James chapter 1. As a belief, Afrikaners, this is not Yames, Jacobus. I can't have a man on the It means breakfast. And this guy's English speaking was an Afrikaans, means breakfast. He's looking for Jacobus in his Bible. It's not there. James 1 verse 18. Of his own will, God brought us forth by the word of truth. 1 Peter chapter 1 verse 23. So you see, it's God who brings you forth and brings this life. 1 Peter 1 verse 23. Since you have been born again, not of perishable seed, but of perishable, in other words, a male and a female seed, but of imperishable seed through the living and abiding Word of God. Now, that does not mean that the Holy Spirit regenerates the sinner and renews him through the Word. It's not through the preaching of the Gospel that the person is regenerated, as if the Gospel is the instrument that opens the heart. Not so. You are regenerated under the Word. Meaning, the difference is this. Many people would say, you just need to preach the gospel and the Holy Spirit will do His work. That is not so. You just need to read the scriptures and the sword of the Spirit will penetrate and cut into the hearts and cut open the heart and give new life. Not so. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 14. Moses, meaning the writings of Moses, are read to the Jews every Sabbath. Yet they remain blind. They cannot see Christ. 
A veil lies before their eyes. You move down, 2 Corinthians 3, verse 16, I think, or 17, I think it's 16, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. I think it's 17. The Spirit opens the eyes. So the gospel is preached. Jesus preached the gospel. Did people repent? Were people saved? Many of them remained blind. Blinded by Satan, 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4. But then, while the gospel is preached, the Spirit comes and He moves. Moves upon the soul and He opens the heart. And He opens the eyes and they see. And the reason why the difference is important. If you believe, oh, we just need to expound the scriptures to people, they will be saved. Will you pray for people to be converted then? Or will you trust your own preaching? If you believe only the Spirit can open the heart, only the Spirit can open the eyes, remove the veil, oh boy, then you will not only prepare sermons, then you will pray. Then you will understand what the Welsh preacher said, sermons are not prepared in the study. They prepared in the closet on the knees to pray to God. Open the eyes. Open the heart. Now sometimes, that being said, sometimes because the Spirit works directly upon the human soul as the Word is preached, and He chooses, and He works, and He opens the heart, He opens the eyes to see, if it's the Spirit working not through the Word, but bringing the sinner under the Word, and alongside and working with the Word, that means if the Spirit pleases, He can sometimes work and renew a heart or open the heart without the Word being preached. Let me give you an example of this in the Bible. Luke 1 verse 15. John the Baptist was filled with the Holy Spirit from his mother's womb. Now, how did that happen if John didn't hear any preaching and if John the Baptist didn't even have faith as a baby? And he leapt in, leapt in his mother's womb as he heard the voice of Mary, the, the voice of his Lord's mother. He leapt with joy, it says in Luke chapter 1, verse 44. And verse 41. Now that explains, let me just say this for the record, the Holy Spirit normally works regeneration in someone by accompanying the Word. The Word is preached, He opens the heart, the person understands and gets and believes, repents and believes. But what I just said to you, that the Holy Spirit works directly upon the soul, not through the Word as an instrument, but bringing the person under the Word, that would explain and bring great comfort to mothers who have lost babies. Do you believe babies that die go to heaven? Well, David's baby did. 2 Samuel chapter 12, verse 23. David said, when the baby died, I will go to him. He will not return to me. How can, the Holy, how can a baby go to heaven, a baby who dies, if he's not born again? Jesus said, if you're not born again, you cannot enter the kingdom. 
Well, if you believe you're born again by believing, it's through faith that you are born again, instead of what the Bible says, no, you're first born again and therefore you believe. If you believe it the other way around, then the baby cannot go to heaven because the baby does not believe. He does not understand the gospel. If you say you are born again through the word, then the baby cannot go to heaven. Or the person who's mentally retarded from birth cannot go to heaven. He cannot be born again. If you say it comes through the word, he has to understand it. He doesn't understand the word. The Holy Spirit can impart new life, can bring the new birth to someone apart from the word. As he did with John the Baptist. Now Nicodemus, as you see in verse 4, Nicodemus, he doesn't understand spiritual things like any unbeliever, because he says in verse 4, now how is this possible, Jesus? How can I be born a second time? I'm an adult man, I'm an old man. How do I go back into my mother's womb and be born again? <laughs> he doesn't understand spiritual things. Jesus tells him that in verse 10 to 12. You're a teacher in Israel. You're the teacher in Israel. You don't understand these things. If I tell you about earthly things, we speak of what we know, of what I've seen. If I tell you of earthly things and you don't understand, how will you understand heavenly things? And it's like in chapter 2 where Jesus said, break down this temple and in three days I'll rebuild it. How can you rebuild the temple? It took 46 years to build. They don't understand spiritual things. Or the lady in chapter 4, the Samaritan woman. Jesus speaks of living water. Says, you don't have a bucket or a rope. How are you going to get the living water? <laughs> she doesn't understand spiritual things. You see, the natural man, the unsaved man, doesn't understand the things of the Spirit. He cannot discern them because they are spiritually discerned. 1 Corinthians 2 verse 14 tells us that. So Nicodemus does not understand. And then Jesus comes in verse 5. Now what he's doing in verse 5, he's repeating verse 3. But just in other words, so Nicodemus, he's trying to explain to him. So he said in verse 3, you must be born again. You must be born from, well, how does this work? And now Jesus came, comes in verse 5. He says, Nicodemus, truly, truly, I say to you, unless one is born of water and the Spirit, he cannot enter the kingdom of God. Now what in the world does Jesus mean? It's as if he's saying to Nicodemus, listen Nicodemus, you said in verse 4, you said, how can I be born a second time from my mother's womb? Physical birth, natural birth is not enough. You need a spiritual birth if you want to enter the kingdom of God. So you need to be born of water and the Spirit. Now what is Jesus, what is Jesus saying there? Well, some people think what Jesus means when he speaks of born of water. Oh, oh, he's talking of the water of the womb. Now, I could probably Google and do so on But I could forget. I could forget to speak in English. What is water in English? Something fluid. Not fruit water. You're wrong. And? Ambiotic fluid. Amniotic. amniotic fluid. Thank you very much, nurse. <laughs> so amniotic fluid. So some people think, oh, you must be born of water and the Spirit, like Jesus is saying, yes, Nicodemus, you must be born of the amniotic fluid. Yes, you're right, but that's not enough. You need a spiritual birth. I don't think that's the correct meaning. 
Some people think, no, born of water and the Spirit, it means you must be baptized with water and then you must be born again uh, as if this is the same thing. But obviously it's not the same thing. I remember a young man in the Free State, we were at a, an Easter church camp. And so this young man comes to me and he said, you know, I figured out what Jesus means in John 3. And especially if you're 19, you really figure this out. <laughs> I remember when I was 19, got it all sorted. And so, so he says to me, Jesus says in verse 3, unless one is born again, you cannot see the kingdom. But, verse 5, unless you're born of water and the Spirit, you cannot enter the kingdom. So verse 3, if you're born again, if you're saved, you can see the kingdom, but you can't go in there. But if you're baptized and born again, then you can enter. <laughs> no, that's not the meaning. That's not what Jesus means. Or take the Roman Catholic Church who believes in baptismal regeneration. So what that means is they believe that baptism gives you salvation. If you baptize the baby, that baby is now born again. That baby is saved. That actually, that idea comes from the early church. Some of the church fathers, they actually interpreted John 3 verse 5 in that way. I remember Rulf Power, our dear brother and elder. He was in another church before he came here. He was actually converted in the other church, heard the gospel, but there was a kink, there was a chink in the armor. The other church, he remembers a guy telling him that if you're not baptized, you cannot enter the kingdom of God. And obviously referring to John 3. And the guy said these words to Ruth. He said, if you are on your way, you're busy walking to the baptistry, you're on your way to being baptized, and you get a heart attack and you die, you will not be saved. So now it's baptism that saves you, you see. And so they think this is what the word many people, many people, they confuse baptism and regeneration as if it's the same thing. I remember doing street evangelism a number of years ago with Nico von Sale. So we were in, in Kempton Park CBD, busy evangelizing, and I speak to two women, and I say to them, are you going to heaven when you die? And they say, yes. I said, how do you know that? They said, because we are born again. And I said, how do you know that? And they said, we are baptized. Thinking baptism is being born again. That's the new birth. And so that's people who believe, some of them who believe in believer's baptism, they think that baptism is the new birth. And some of them who believe in baby baptism, in pedo baptism, in baby sprinkling, they think uh, that's the new birth. I know of one Reformed confession, a Dutch Reformed confession, that says in Article 34, it says, yes, when the person is baptized, the baby is baptized, all the grace of God is imparted to that baby. The grace of salvation comes, the new birth, born again. And then it says, this is not, not that the water brings the new birth, it's the spirit that brings the new birth. Hmm, that's confusing baptism in the new birth, as if it's one and the same thing. Now we know it's a fact. It is absolutely true that baptism is pictured, or the new birth is pictured in baptism. The new birth is illustrated in baptism. It is confessed in baptism. Titus 3 verse 5, Sean read it to us this evening, where it speaks of the washing of regeneration and renewal of the Holy Spirit. The Overtaling say, die bad van die wedergeboorte. 
So it's true that baptism does illustrate and picture that I have been washed inwardly and now I am confessing it externally, publicly, by a symbolic act of baptism. So that is true. Hebrews 10 verse 22 also says, Your bodies have been washed with clean water. Your hearts have been sprinkled with the blood of Christ. But the body is washed with pure water, that picture. We know in the New Testament, people were converted and baptized on the same day. And that's why sometimes it speaks as if it's one thing. Acts 2 verse 38, Peter says, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. Or you've got the Apostle Paul, where he gives his testimony in Acts 22 verse 16. He says, And then uh, God said to uh, Paul through Ananias, And now why do you wait? Rise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So it's not the water that washes away the sins. It's calling on the name of the Lord where he comes and he washes away our sins. 1 Peter chapter 3, verse 21, baptism. This is a picture of Noah and the ark and all the water. And it says, uh, baptism, this is a picture of this, now saves you, oh goodness, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as a cleansing of the conscience. As we call on the name of the Lord, a cleansing of the conscience through the resurrection of Christ. It's the life of Christ that brings life into the soul. It's the calling on the name of the Lord. And He washes away the sins. And baptism, we confess that as we are baptized. And then many other verses in the book of Acts. You've got Romans 6 verse 3 and 4. You have been buried with Christ in baptism into His death. And you are raised with Christ into the newness of life. Galatians 3 verse 26 speaks of all those who believe who are the sons of God. Verse 27, as many of those who have been baptized into Christ have put on Christ. So it's the becoming part of Christ by faith because of the new birth, the new life. So all that does not mean that baptism equals regeneration. Or that it necessarily happens at the same time. Sometimes it does. The moment you repent, you believe, and, and it's all part of one happening, you say, I believe, I believe, I see the light. God has opened my eyes. And you come and you say, I wish to be baptized. And let us baptize you. So that happens sometimes, but it not, not always, doesn't always happen at the same time. At the same moment. So the, the external ritual, if I can call it, the external ritual, the outward ritual, is a confession of an inward reality. Something happened inside. What happened? There was a circumcision of the heart. Sin has been cut away. The old nature has been cut away. A new nature is given. And now you confess that. Outwardly by being baptized. Colossians 2 verse 11 and 12. Go and check that. So it's not the ritual that saves you. It's not baptism that saves you. It's the Holy Spirit of God through regeneration. Galatians 6 verse 15. Paul says there, circumcision doesn't matter. Not being circumcised doesn't matter. What matters? A new creation. It's the inward thing that matters. 
That's what God wants. So, let me just summarize then verse 5 for you. Verse 5 is not talking about baptism at all. When it says being born of water and the Spirit. It's speaking of a spiritual washing. A spiritual cleansing by the Holy Spirit in our hearts. Again, back to Yeshua's text in Ezekiel 36. Verse 25, God will sprinkle clean water upon us. Verse 30, uh, 20, uh, that's tw- uh, Ezekiel 36, verse 25, He will sprinkle clean water upon us. Verse 26, He will remove the heart of stone, give a heart of flesh. Verse 27, He will place His Spirit inside of you, and He will cause you to walk in God's statutes and commandments. So it's the spiritual birth and the spiritual washing. All these ugly sins that you used to be part of. But now you have been washed. You've been justified. You've been sanctified. In the name of our Lord Jesus Christ and by the Spirit of our God. It's the Spirit who brings this washing and cleansing. Did you notice in verse 5? It doesn't say, unless you are born of water, number one, and born of the Spirit, number two. It's not two things. He says one thing. Unless you are born of water and the Spirit. It's one action, not two actions. Not baptism plus a spiritual birth, but a spiritual cleansing and spiritual birth. One thing. So my great question to you this evening is not... Have you been baptized? What is the question? Are you born again? Last question, number three. How and why must you be born again? And the answer is in verse six and and in verse eight. Must have been almost ten years ago now, maybe a bit less, A man and his son visited our church during an evening service. He saw the announcement, or heard the announcement, that there will be a Bible study next door on the Wednesday night at 7. He and his son came to the Bible study. And in the Bible study he said, Man is born neutral. You're not a sinner by birth, neither are you a Christian by birth. You're neutral. And then your parents influence you in the world, and that's what makes you good or bad. That is not biblical. We said that, and he never came again. That is not biblical. Jesus says in verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. If you're born a human being, you are of the flesh. You are born a human. You are born a sinner. Didn't David say that in Psalm 51 verse 5? In sin did my mother conceive me. In sin I was brought forth. I was born. I was born a sinner. Psalm 58 verse 4, uh, verse 3, Afrikaans is verse 4, where it says that the wicked stray from the womb. They go about from the womb speaking lies. Ephesians 2 verse 1, you were dead in your trespasses and sins. Verse 3 at the end says, we were by nature children of wrath, children of God's anger deserving His punishment. By nature we are sinners, like a lion from birth. It's a lion, it's in its nature to kill. And it's in the nature of a human being to sin. 
and rebel against God. Romans 5 verse 12, by one man sin came into the world and, and through sin death came. And so death spread to all men because all sinned. We were, we, because of the nature of Adam and the sin of Adam, we are all children of Adam, therefore all of us are sinners. You need a spiritual birth. That's why we need it. Verse 5, you need to be born of water in the spirit if you want to enter the kingdom. Verse 6, that which is born of the flesh is flesh. That which is born of the spirit is spirit. You need that birth, Nicodemus. Who does that? Who gives you that new birth? I know you're going to say the Holy Spirit, but actually it's the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Let me give you some verses. It's the Son. It's the Son of God who calls the dead from their graves. They hear the voice, the powerful voice of the Lion of Judah. And they hear the voice saying, though they are dead, suddenly there's life. The Son of God calls and says, in your grave, live. Rise. John 5 verse 21 and verse 25. And then who is it that then actually brings the life and generates? The Holy Spirit as we learn from verse 5. Born of the Spirit. Verse 6. Born of the Spirit. Verse 8. The Spirit. It's the Spirit who gives life. Jesus said in John 6, 63. The Spirit gives life. 2 Corinthians 3 verse 6. And then who is it that brings you from that grave? The Father. James 1 verse 18. You were brought forth by the Father, by His own will. And then John 1 verse 13. Born of God. So it's the Trinity. Jesus here focuses on the work of the Spirit, His role. So, so the heavenly wind blows through your soul. Verse 8. The, the wind blows where it wishes. The, the wind blows. Who of you can control the wind? You're shaky? Can you control the wind and say, wind, stop blowing at my dad's house. It's his birthday. We're having a party and you're messing up the braai. You don't do that. You cannot control the wind. The wind blows where it wishes. You do not know where it comes from, says verse 8, and where it is going. You can hear its sound, but you cannot control it. And in the same way, no one can control the Spirit of God. Especially not Benny Hinn, where he takes his, his suit, his coat, and he goes, and hundreds of people fall over. It's like he can control the Holy Spirit. That is nonsense. Or Simon the sorcerer, Simon the wizard, in Acts chapter 8, he says to Peter and John, I'll give you money, I'll pay you, give me that power. So anyone I lay my hands on, the Spirit will come upon them. He thinks he can control the Holy Spirit cannot control the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit decides whether he will go in Acts chapter 8 to the desert and save one Ethiopian, or he will go to Jerusalem on the day of Pentecost in Acts 2 and save 3,000 on one day. The Holy Spirit decides, will he come upon a people, a church, a town, a province, a nation? And bring a mighty revival and save tens of thousands, hundreds of thousands. Or will he remove himself and withdraw from an area and leave it barren as a desert? Spiritually. It says so in verse 8. The wind moves where it pleases. And 
so it is with all born of the Spirit. And yet, we can go to the prayer room and we can pray and say, Spirit of God, come. We can pray. Luke 11 verse 13, I want to keep on. I know this is not claimed by Kuis, but he did preach on it. Luke 11 verse 13. How much more will your Father in heaven not give the Holy Spirit to those who pray? Pray for the Spirit to come. We can pray for revival. Like in Acts 1 verse 14, they devoted themselves to prayer. In Acts chapter 2, the Spirit comes and there is revival. We can pray. Spirit of God, come. Come upon us even in this hour. How do you know the Spirit of God has really worked? How do you know the Holy Spirit has really moved and regenerated a heart? You can't see the Spirit working in a heart. You can't see. Can you see the wind, Marguerite? You cannot see the wind. Can you see the Spirit move? Can you see the Spirit? You cannot see the Spirit. Can you see the invisible work of the Spirit in a human heart? You cannot. So how do you know? How do you know the Spirit has worked? The Spirit has brought life. There's regeneration. Oh, Marguerite, let's do the follow-up question. Can you see what the wind does? Oh, you can see the effect of the wind in the trees, moving and rocking the trees back and forth. You cannot see the Spirit, but you can see the effect of the Spirit's work. As he works in the human soul, you see what he does. You see him work and bring life. Can I run you through a couple of verses? I know this is injury time. Neil said to me, I'm in trouble tonight. I better cut the sermon short because power's going off at 10. <laughs> Let me just run you through some verses. 1 John. 2 verse 29. I'm just going to run through them. You can mark them down. 1 John 2 29. How do you know you're born again? If you know that God is righteous or Christ, you may be sure everyone who practices righteousness has been born of God. Do you practice righteousness? Chapter 3 verse 9. No one born of God makes a practice of sinning. Because God's seed abides in him, he cannot keep on sinning because he has been born of God. Chapter 3, verse 14. We know that we have passed from death to life because we love the brothers. Do you love other Christians? Whoever does not love abides in death. Chapter 4, verse 7. Beloved, let us love one another, for love is from God. Whoever loves has been born of God. That's how you know you're born again. You love, and he knows God. Chapter 5, verse 1. Everyone who believes that Jesus is the Christ has been born of God. That's how you know you're born again. You believe that Jesus is the Christ. Chapter 5, verse 4. Everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. Do you hate the worldly system of evil? Do you overcome it or do you go with the flow? Chapter 5, verse 18. It speaks of us who are born of God. Do not keep on sinning. That is not your pattern of life. Acts chapter 9 verse 11. How do you know Paul was born again? He's praying. 
there's life. You cry out, Abba, Father. You talk to your Father. You're a child of God now. How do you know you're born again? Oh, babies want milk. You want the milk of the word. 1 Peter 2 verse 2. You've been created. We are his workmanship created in Jesus Christ unto good works. You want to do good. You're created for true righteousness and holiness. Ephesians 4.24. The previous one was Ephesians 2 verse 10. The Holy Spirit plants the life of God into your soul. My friend Seth bought me a book, The Life of God in the Soul of Man. You've become a partaker of God's nature, the divine nature, 2 Peter chapter 1, verse 4. And that changes your whole nature, changes your thoughts. The Spirit is now, you've, you've, you've a new, you're a new creature, a new person. Your thoughts aren't the same. You've got new thoughts, new desires, a new will, new emotion, new vocabulary, new deeds, new practices, new habits, new circle of friends, new entertainment. Everything is new. How do you weigh up this evening? How do you weigh up? Measure yourself against what I preach tonight. Are you born again? And if you're not born again, use this Use the opportunity while the wind of the Spirit is blowing across the congregation tonight. If you let the opportunity go, who knows, but the wind will move off and not come again. Take the opportunity. Got a question for some of you? Are there people in your family who are not born again? And you feel frustrated because you can do nothing to reach their hearts? What must you do? The Holy Spirit can reach their hearts. Pray. Say, O oh, Spirit of the Lord, reach their hearts. I cannot reach. I have tried. I have spoken. I have shared the gospel. They are dead. Do you see any marks of the new birth in your own heart and life? Most of you do. All these marks I mentioned, you see it in your life, but you doubt because the wind is invisible, the spirit is invisible, and you didn't see that happening in your heart. How do you know it's real? The Holy Spirit moves invisibly indeed. And as long as you see the effect of the wind, you know the wind is blowing. As long as you see the effect of the Spirit's work in your life, you know you've been born again. Stop doubting. Even though you don't have a day and a date and know the exact time when all of this happened. So just thank Him. Thank Him that He has done verse 8 in your heart. You've been born of the Spirit. You've been born of God. And then can I read you this prayer in closing? Make this prayer your own by Stuart Townend and Keith Getty. Holy Spirit, Living breath of God, breathe new life into my willing soul. Bring the presence of the risen Lord to renew my heart and make me whole. Cause your word to come alive in me. Give me faith for what I cannot see. Give me passion for your purity. Holy Spirit, 
Breathe new life in me. Amen.